huge show today because not only has SPF finally broken his silence or is finally going to break his silence, but we're also going to be talking about a whole lot of other things here today. It's going to be a massive, massive show. We're going to be talking about Bitcoin miners capitulating. We're going to be talking about BlockFi going into, uh, into liquidation. We're going to be talking about Phantom. We're going to be talking about, wow, there's so much going on here. I don't even know what's going on here. We're going to be talking about um got an ftx update for you we've got a massive 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 crypto update for you i've got mario coming onto the show we're going to be talking about elon versus apple elon Musk taking on apple uh it's going to be huge so if you're here welcome and 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 let's do this Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, and then they got go. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Yo, yo, yo. So SPF has decided that he's finally going to break his silence. We've got more on that for you here on the show. We're also going to show, talk about what that means for mainstream media. And then we're going to expose a new player in the mainstream media. You know, we've been bashing mainstream media, but I'm going to expose to you one of the biggest players, one of the biggest people, that organizations that was complicit in this mainstream media scandal that we've been exposing. So again, this is going to be another one of those shows where we give you crypto alpha, but it's also going to be another one of those shows that we have to take down in 20, what is it? 20, 23 and a half hours. We're going to take down the show. A lot of you have asked, a lot of you have asked why we have to take these shows down after 23 and a half hours. And I keep saying to you guys, the problem is that what, ha- what happens is when we start exposing big players, mainstream media, what they do is they start complaining to YouTube. And we know that YouTube take, about 24 hours to respond to complaints. And so what we do is we put the video up and then within 23 and a half hours, what we do is we take the video down. So we've got, we've got that for you. We've also got Mario Norfolk coming on the show today. We've got, a, we've got a long discussion with him around this mainstream media thing. We've got a FTX update for you guys. We're going to be talking about the BlockFi uh, liquidation and what that means and who else will possibly go down. We've got a Genesis update for you guys. Um, some fight around Binance. We're going to investigate whether that fight is real. And then there's a massive, massive, massive crypto development that we need to talk about. So huge show. Uh, to those of you who are new to the channel, welcome, welcome, welcome. Subscribe to the channel. Um, this is the most loyal community on YouTube. We've seen it. YouTube give us the stats. This is the most loyal crypto community in the world when it comes to YouTube. And it's also a community which has been going growing in the bear market, which is, I mean, unbelievable. Most of these channels aren't growing in the bear market. But you guys, you guys are here every single day. And together, we're growing, growing, growing. What else? Um, oh, I managed to get out of my sports bet yesterday. So remember that sports bet that I took when I was, I was going for the Switzerland draw? I managed to get out of it. What I found is that on that sport, on the site, on sports bets, you are, by the way, now one of our new sponsors, you can actually undo your bet. So we paid like $1 to undo the bet. So later on today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the games that are happening today. There's the Ecuador-Senegal. I'm not going to bet on that because I don't have any idea. 
Netherlands, Qatar. I think you've got to take a Netherlands for a win there. So let's look if that's worth uh, taking a bet. And then Iran against USA. That's actually quite an interesting combination, like Iran against the USA. Super interesting. It's like yeah. sa sanctions against an unsanctioned country, basically, playing. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to put money on that. I'm going to put money on that. We'll, 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 do that uh, we'll do that later on in the show. We've also got a BitBoy update for you. So that's, uh, that's another thing that's going to happen here today. So bottom line, massive, massive, massive show. Let's get into it. Let's look at the important charts of the day, the ones, the charts that we're looking at today. Bitcoin, 16,400, pretty much holding up strong. We had a green candle. Um, and I guess it's, we're gonna, it's almost like a crunch time for Bitcoin. We're going to wait for something to happen. The next chart that I'm watching is Dogecoin, uh, 10.1 cents. And this ties into one of the stories that we're going to be talking about later on today. So this is another chart that I'm looking at today. Solana, 13.56. If any of you are following my trade, Almost in the buy zone, probably at around 13.50, we want to be buying Solana. So around 13.30, we want to be buying Solana. Um, if you've got conviction around the long term of Solana. FTM, Phantom, for those of you who took the trade yesterday, congratulations. You guys would be, I think you have about 15, 20% for those who took the trade yesterday. Silvergate Bank, which is one we've spoken about, has come down 11.12%. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. That's got to do with uh, the exposure to BlockFi or the little bit of exposure to BlockFi. And lastly, if we look at the traditional markets, 11,608 on the NASDAQ futures for December, which means that the market is flat, the Dow is flat, the uh, S&P 500 is flat. And what we're starting to see now is we're starting to see a major disconnect between crypto and world markets. And I saw that here. So I looked, the first thing I looked at here was I looked at the crypto, I looked at the fear and greed on traditional markets. The fear and greed on traditional markets are at 59. They, they at almost, let me just switch that off because that's just going to disturb us the whole time. Um, the fear and greed index on traditional markets is 59, which means, well, that's if you can believe CNN because you can't actually believe CNN. So I don't know if I believe their fear and greed index, but let's under the assumption that, um, let's say that, that you do believe CNN you can see the traditional markets have a fear and greed index right now of 59. But when you look at crypto, because of all the capitulations that we've had, our fear and greed is only at 26. So whilst they are at greed, we are at, uh, we are at, um, at uh, uh, fear, not extreme fear, but there is fear. And you're seeing it in, in many different places in the market. So you're seeing it in many, many, many different places in the market. A few that I want to show you. So the first thing that I noticed was that the Bitcoin spot to futures volume is climbing and it's at a high, it's at the highest point that it's been in a long time. Definitely the highest point that it's been this year. In fact, let's see when the last, so that the only other data for this year, but the spot to futures volume seems to be climbing, climbing and climbing and climbing. Now that's signs of a healthy market. What that means is it means that people aren't taking leverage anymore. That's, that's signs of a healthy market. And if I were to sum up everything that happened in the bull run of 2021 and 2022, the one word that I would use to sum up everything that happened is leverage. Simple. This whole bull market was based on leverage, whether it was leverage through tokens, leverage through lenders, leverage through any of these organizations, these centralized organizations or the, de or the decentralized organizations. Everything in this bull market was actually driven by leverage. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing the collapse of all the leverage. And we're seeing a much healthier market. We're seeing a much healthier market in many things. First of all, 
people aren't taking very much leverage. And so you've got the spot uh, to futures volume. You've got the spot volume increasing against the futures volume. Then you've got um, ETH. And what you can see around ETH is that over 230,000 ETH have been staked in the past week, which means that the thesis for ETH is people are buying ETH and they're starting to stake ETH. Okay, so that's what's going on right now. And the other thing which is good around our thesis is the fact that ETH is still deflationary. So if you look at since the merge, ETH is still deflationary. So the thesis for ETH is starting to play out. And the last thing which is amazing for this bull market is that the move from centralized from from centralized exchanges back to decentralized exchanges. And you can see that that's starting to happen right over here. So all of a sudden, we're getting a huge move from decentralized exchanges, uh, from, DEX, from DEX to SEX. In other words, people are moving back to decentralized exchanges after this whole collapse. So all in all, if I were to summarize this whole market, this whole market was driven by leverage. Now that the leverage is unwinding, we're starting to get a much, much, much healthier market. And that's what we wanted because... The reason why we wanted that is because if you look at DeFi, as somebody pointed out here on Twitter, he said, DeFi doesn't file for bankruptcy. What files for bankruptcy is the centralized institutions that have taken leverage. And if you look at everyone that's collapsed, let's look at all the, the big institutions that have collapsed. Celsius collapsed. Voyager collapsed. BlockFi collapsed. Three Arrows Capital collapsed. FTX collapsed. The theme around all of this was centralized leverage. And it wasn't only centralized leverage, it was centralized, unregulated leverage. So like in normal markets, you can take leverage, but the thing is there's huge regulation in terms of who can and can't take leverage and what they need to leave as collateral. But the thing is, when it comes to unregulated markets, you've got people taking leverage and you don't have any rules. There's just no rules. And that's why all these lenders and everyone has gone down because people are taking this, this unregulated centralized leverage with no risk controls in place. And that's what's happening. And in DeFi, that, that can't happen, which is why if you look at DeFi, DeFi never files for bankruptcy. You know who files for bankruptcy? Well, everyone else. Genesis may or may not file for bankruptcy. Ryan Selka says that he thinks that Genesis is not going to file for bankruptcy. And I think he's, he might actually be right. I think in the 90th minute, Genesis may actually save themselves. But the problem is that now we've had BlockFi filing for bankruptcy. We saw that yesterday. They filed for Chapter 11. And if you look at the documents in BlockFi, you start seeing a lot of clues around what's happening in this industry. Okay, So people are saying, people are saying clickbait. We didn't tell you that SBF's breaking his silence here, but we are going to tell you where he is breaking his silence and how we're going to get involved. So don't stress. That's coming up, that's coming up in a few minutes. For now, let's look at the recent um, uh, Chapter 11 by BlockFi and what it actually shows us. So if you look at um, the document which they filed for to take themselves into chapter 11, there are a whole lot of things that you need to look at here. And unfortunately, they're not all good. So like a lot of the stuff here, you look at it, you go, oh no, let me show you some of that. If my cursor will work. Okay, so hold on a second. Okay, so the first thing is, let's go back to the top. If you look at it here, the f oh my goodness, this is going to be so slow. Okay, so the first thing is what you can see on the screen over here is they're saying that they've got more than 100,000 creditors. What that basically means is that there's more than 100,000 people that are affected by this. Okay, they have got a lot of assets. They say that they have over a billion dollars worth of assets, between one and $10 billion worth of assets. But then the problem is that they've got liabilities and they've got between one and $10 billion of liabilities. 
But somewhere here, there's a mismatch. And that's obviously why they had to file for chapter 11. If you carry on looking at this, let me try and do this like this. Just Okay, so this is a list of all the major creditors that they have. And there's a whole lot of them that you need to be looking, looking out for. The first one is Ankura Trust. We'll talk about those. The next one is this West Realm Shires, which we'll talk about. Okay, the next one is the SEC. BlockFi owe the SEC $30 million. Can you believe it? That the SEC is owed $30 million from BlockFi. The reason where that originated is, I don't know if you remember, but the SEC went after BlockFi. And they eventually settled with BlockFi that BlockFi need to register their yield products with the SEC, but they need to pay a $100, settlement, $100 million settlement. And Eric Fuhis asks a good question. He says, hold on a second. If the SEC were owed $100 million, now they're only owed $30 million. It means that BlockFi paid them $70 million. So it means that like one of the most interested parties in this BlockFi settlement is actually the SEC. Because if the SEC, if BlockFi doesn't trade out of this, it means the SEC loses $30 million. And I don't think the SEC want to lose $30 million. But the, the big question is, should the SEC actually return the $70 million they've got to try and make users whole just because they took $70 million for absolutely, absolutely no reason. I mean, it's a, it, was, it was absolutely crazy at the time. And now, I mean, I, I say it again, it's absolutely crazy. Okay, let's look at some other ones that are here on file. Um, this one here is West Realm Shires Incorporated. You know who West Realm Shires, West Realm Shires Incorporated is? That's FTX. That's the FTX USA vehicle. And you can see that the contact person that's listed here is the liquidator of FTX, which is John J. Ray or whatever, John, John J. Ray III. He's the guy that liquidated Enron and he's now the contact person here. And you can see that the loan from uh, BlockFi to FTX was $275 million. Now, we thought it was much bigger. We thought that the loan was about $600 million, but I'll show you exactly what happened. So let me show you, let me jump here to show you exactly, exactly what happened. The other one, by the way, that, that's owed money from, from BlockFi is Silvergate Bank. And you'll remember that I spoke about Silvergate Bank a few days ago where I said, look, I'm putting them on my buy list because I think that they have been unnecessarily hardly hit, sorry, unnecessarily hard hit by this crypto collapse. And I think that eventually they will recover. And at the time I said to you, I'm going to, I said, I'm going to wait for like $23, $24 before I, I start buying in. Now they are $25.51. They were at $30 the other day. I'm waiting for about $23 before I start buying in. But then I'm going to start actually buying into uh, Silvergate because they came out with a statement and they said, look, um, the liability that we have is less than $20 million in deposits, which contains $10 million for the benefit of Silver Bank, Silvergate Bank. So in other words, there's a hole of between $10 and $20 million that Silvergate Bank will have a claim against BlockFi. What we also saw is that before BlockFi went into Chapter 11, what did they do? Well, they started selling off some of their crypto position. And the reason why they started selling off some of their crypto position probably is so that they could start funding the the uh, the liquidation process because that liquidation process is super 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 expensive so that's the blockfi liquidation the blockfi chapter 11 and the truth is we said to you guys a while back that we think in fact we didn't say we think we kind of said we know that blockfi is going to eventually collapse and the reason why we said that is because we got inside information at the time that there was a 600 million dollar loan between ftx 
and BlockFi. And you've got to ask yourself, how did that loan originate? You can see that we spoke about this a while back. And I said that on November 11th, I said that the BlockFi has a $600 million loan to Alameda. SBF tried to repay the loan in the last few days, but as things were unfolding, but it didn't. And I guess he must have paid some of the loan because there's only $250 million of that loan left. And we'll see in a second where that money, that $250 million loan was used to do and to, used to. And you can see the flow of money because that's super, super, super interesting. What's also super interesting is how this whole thing happened. So how did FTX get so entangled into BlockFi? And why did FTX get so entangled into BlockFi? I'll explain to you very simply what happened. Remember when BlockFi was in trouble after the Three Arrows capital collapse? So remember, there, yeah, I'll show it to you here. So here's the timeline. So you'll remember that they were a very, very, very cool company. They were raising money at very, very, very high valuations. And then Three Arrows Capital collapses. And when Three Arrows Capital collapsed, BlockFi then went into, froze their, their uh, redemptions. And the reason why BlockFi then froze redemptions is because they may have been very close to, to liquidation or to insolvency. So what did they do? They were looking for a bailout. Who bails them out? The knight in shining armor, of course, FTX. The big question is, why did FTX bail out BlockFi when FTX was probably also insolvent at the time? That's what, that's what the big thing is. What FTX knew was FTX knew that BlockFi had customer deposits. And if they bail out uh, 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 BlockFi, then they will be able to get access to those customer deposits and they could start using those funds. And that's exactly what happened. They took the customer deposits and they started to create loans between BlockFi and FTX. And one of those loans was actually secured against a company. So what happened was BlockFi is accredited to FTX. That lent money to Alameda. So FTX took money from BlockFi, lent the money to Alameda, which lent the money to Emergent, which is the shell company, which is owned by SBF. And through that shelf company, SBF bought, I think he bought 7 or 8% of Robinhood. So that's what happened. FTX rescues, rescues BlockFi, takes consumer funds, lends it to Alameda. Alameda lends it to this company called Emergent, which is actually just a shell company. And then that company, Emergent, is the company that, that where SBF bought his stake in Robinhood. Pretty simple little scam. Pretty smart, but pretty, pretty simple little scam. And the thing is, Someone says, fix your hair. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this jacket off because James has boiled the studio. You've, you've made it hot and cold. Oh, and... Sure. You, you've, you've killed us, bro. You've killed us here today. James decided to kill us in the studio. Hot, cold. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Hold on, let's try and get, okay, there we go. So now I've got my earpiece back and I can talk again. Okay, cool. So FTX bail out BlockFi. They take consumer funds. They give it to this company called Emergent, which is actually a shelf company, which is set up by FTX and Alameda. And then, um, and now what they're trying to do is they're trying to, here's a court document which shows that what they're trying to do is they're trying to sue FTX US, which is actually under the control of the liquidator to try and get, the shares that they have in Robinhood and potentially they actually do have a claim. I mean, obviously I haven't seen the exact contract, but they must have a claim against the 8% of Robinhood, which may be good for people who've got their money in, in, in BlockFi. Now, the truth is, as I said, 
we've known for a while that BlockFi was in trouble. I raised many, many, many flags. I raised flags with, with you guys. I raised flags with many other people. The reason why I didn't like BlockFi, and I want to show you this. So let me just let me just show you this over here. The reason why I didn't like BlockFi is because they were dumping, they were buying the GBTC premium and they were dumping it onto retail investors. And I posted this on July 13th, 2021. I said, BlockFi have 19,852 the GBTC shares. They borrowed Bitcoin from investors at a five at five percent per annum. Deposited these, deposited these Bitcoin into GBTC, hoping to capitalize on the premium. And then the problem is that the premium became a discount, and then they started sitting on a loss. And that's I raised that flag. I mean, look when I raised that flag. Oh, so I raised that flag on the thirteenth of July, twenty twenty one. I said this is very, very, very bad news, and. What I was trying to do was I was trying to alert everybody that this big company that was raising money at three and four and five and six billion dollar valuations actually wasn't as big and as healthy as everybody thought. If you look at the timeline, if you look at the timeline here, um, they were raising, just get this, they were raising at valuations of 3.8 billion and 3 billion. And if you look at them just a year before that or six months before that, they were raising at 450 million dollars. This company went from $450 million to $3 billion and $3.8 billion. And when that happened, I raised the flag and I said, guys, this thing is not sustainable. This thing is about to collapse. It cannot carry on like this because what they were doing, all they were doing to make money, the only way that they were making money was by buying GBTC shares at par value and dumping them on retail investors and taking the premium. The problem is that when the premium went into a discount, well, we all saw what happened. And as I said, I tried to warn everybody. I tried to warn people like Pump, who was a huge BlockFi guy. You've seen this. I mean, you've seen this. I'll show it to you again. So what BlockFi! So Rocket what, ship! Get on board! So why, is Block, why does BlockFi need this much money, first of all? What are they going to do? Grow it. Over 500 employees now around the world. 200. So that was Pump. And I'm not going to play more of it because I think I don't want to humiliate the guy. And I'm sure that he feels the pain because he went on on another video. And on this video, video he said that BlockFi was actually- Bang, bang. His biggest Today investment. I'm announcing the largest investment that I've ever made. BlockFi has raised a $350 million Series D at a $3 billion valuation. The round was co-led by Bain Capital, DST, myself via Pomp Investments, and Tiger Global. Other great investors in this round include my friends at Bracket Capital, Morgan Creek Digital, Valar Ventures, and Susquehanna. Zach and Flory have built an amazing business. Today, that business employs over 500 people globally. They have over $15 billion in assets on the platform. They've grown the user base from 10,000 to over 225,000 users. And today, they are doing more than $50 million in monthly revenue. I try to tell them that the $50 million in monthly revenue wasn't money that they were making from interest payments. It was money that they were making by dumping GBTC shares on retail, which was a non-sustainable model. Problem is no one would listen. Not them, uh, not McCormack, who, I mean, he, he really doesn't get it. I mean, I trust BlockFi over a smart contract. Dude, we built smart contracts because you cannot uh, trust centralized entities. It just doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe one day he'll come around and he'll actually start getting it. So I tried to warn people, didn't work. 
now we are where we are. Uh, you can see that BlockFi was amongst the worst of these risk managers. You can see that. You can see that the people that they lent money to, or if you look at the uh, interactions that they had, so um, someone says, casually took a look at one of BlockFi's deposits on Nansen's, uh, sorry, at, at uh, BlockFi's deposits. Three arrows capital, gone. Genesis trading, almost in liquidation. Wintermute was in big trouble. Hodlnaut, we know what's going on with Hodlnaut. You can kind of see, you can kind of see what's going on. These guys, and in fact, any centralized entity, just cannot manage risk. And I guess that now what we're going to start seeing is we're going to start seeing why DeFi is so important. Because everything here, this whole collapse, as I said in the beginning, was all about leverage. And it wasn't only about leverage, it was about centralized, unregulated leverage. And that is what caused us to be pretty much where we are today. I just want to see, there was, a, there was another thing that I wanted to show you guys. I wonder if I've actually got it here. I don't have it here, unfortunately. I'll show it to you guys. I'll show it to you guys tomorrow. It's something pretty cool. Anyway, so right now, um, BlockFi in Chapter 11, they're going to sue the, the estate of FTX, the Alameda, the liquidators, uh, to try and get some money back. But ultimately, if you've got money in BlockFi, unfortunately, I think it's going to be quite a, what's the word? Quite a long process to get your money back. That's, that's, that's where I see it. I just want to see, because Mario is supposed to join the stream. I want to see when he's joining the stream. Uh, let's just see if he's joining. Uh, Mario. Okay, he should be on. I don't know why he's not on. Okay, I've asked him to come on. Let's see. I'm sure he'll come on any second now. Um, cool. Let's talk about uh, a couple of other things while we're waiting for Mario. Actually, I saw this tweet from Udi, and I really think that this is uh, an amazing tweet. Here we go. Mario saying he's coming on now. So, and I think it's important that with all the liquidations that are going on, we all um, make sure that our mindset is in the right place. So when I say when our mindset is in the right place, if you look at all these liquidations, all these liquidations are as a result of lack of systems, lack of processes, investment mistakes that happened in the past. Not, not now, not, not, not in the future, not happening now, things that happened in the past. And the problem is that if we start obsessing about all these things that happened in the past, the problem is you may miss the present and you may miss the future. And I saw what, that, what Udi wrote. He wrote a very cool tweet, which when I looked at it, I thought, I've got to share it with you guys. He says, when Mount Gox collapsed in 2014, many of my friends lost everything. Some licked their wounds and came up with a plan to buy back into crypto over time. And most importantly, built what was missing. Others spent years tracking bankruptcy news. And I think you all know which group landed up doing well. So you've got to be careful. We've all made mistakes in the past. Some of you put money into BlockFi. Some of us put money into Celsius. Um, some of us put money into, into other leverage centralized players. The past is the past. And what you've got to be careful of is obsessing about the past. Rather forget about obsessing about the past. And as Udi says, lick your wounds, come up with a plan to buy more into crypto over time if you really believe in the space. And most importantly, if you can build something that's missing, build something that's missing. And then in the next bull run, you'll be the ones that land up uh, doing super well. Cool. So that's that. I see Mario is going to be joining us in a second. Um, someone says, we've, I've lost heaps. We've all lost. We've all lost heaps. It's just that is what a bear market is about. You got to, if you believe in the, in the, in the technology, you've got to be here for the bull market. You've got to be here for the bull market. You've got to buy in the bear market. You've got to position yourself in the bear market. You've got to build in the bear market. So when the bull market comes, you're ready. 
if you start obsessing about the past or if you leave because you got flushed out in the first cycle, then you're like 90% of the tourists that got flushed out in 2017. They never made money. The ones that made money were the ones that stayed here because they believed in the technology. And as you say, we've got to stay, we've got to stay strong fam. Someone says just 800 likes. Is that it? Come on, guys, smash that like button. I mean, bringing you the highest alpha per show per minute right here. We need your help. Remember, we're going to be exposing someone huge here. And when we expose them, they're going to complain. And when they complain, we're going to have to take down the video and we're going to get shadow banned again. But I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. So, yeah, let me check where this man is before we start talking about the next section. He says, okay, he's joining. All right, let's talk about... Um, let's do an FTX update. So... We have the FTX update. You know that SBF is finally breaking his silence. So he's breaking his silence in multiple places. The first place where SBF is breaking his silence is tomorrow. There is this uh, deal book event, which is sponsored by the New York by the New York Times. You know about that. We've spoken about that a few times. Uh, so he breaks his silence over there. Is this thing being streamed? Is this deal book thing being streamed? If it is, I think we should have a viewing party. I think we should we should we should try and have a viewing party if this deal book thing is being streamed. We'll find out for you when that's being streamed. The next place where SBF is breaking his silence is on the 1st of December. So 1st of December uh, at 7 p.m. our time, but you can go and find out what his time. Um, Mario has arranged for SBF to join a Twitter spaces. Mario and I are going to be on that stream with a whole lot of other people, and we're going to be uh, talking to SBF. We're also going to try and bring that to you on YouTube. So I'm going to try and stream the Twitter spaces onto YouTube exactly like we did the other time. The other place that SBF is going to be uh, speaking is BitBoy. Now, we spoke about BitBoy yesterday and how I thought that he may be going one step too far. But listen, he got his result. And his result is that he says that eventually at 2 a.m., after two days of attempting to contact SBF, SBF responded to him via text. Um, he said, we discussed an interview and I'm waiting to get confirmation from him one way or another. Anyway, long story short, they got together. He, he, he got back to him um, and he not only did they agree to, to run a Twitter space in the next two weeks, but he also told BitBoy what kind of pizza he likes. Remember, I told BitBoy to, um, to, give, uh, to, give, uh, uh, to send uh, SBF 100 pizzas. I would have loved to, to see the look on his face when, when 100 pizzas arrive at his house. So yeah, so that's the um, uh, thing. So the first media that SBF is speaking to is tomorrow and i mean he's speaking to the fake media he's speaking to the new york times he's speaking to the paid off fake um i don't know what bankrupt corrupt um untrustworthy disgusting media that's what he's doing tomorrow and then on the first he is speaking to the real media and the real media is twitter spaces because that's where real media is happening right now. So the first appearance that he's making is to the people that he bought, right? The people that, that he paid, and they're going to do a very favorable interview. But then SPF is going to appear on the real media. And that's on Mario's spaces. And Mario is a man on a mission. So I thought I'd listen. I'd, I thought I'd bring Mario onto the show. And we could hear from him what his mission is and what he's building and how he got SPF uh, to join the show. Mario, welcome, brother. Yo, how are you, man? Good, good, good. So uh, as I said, on the first day, uh, SPF is speaking to the fake media. And I guess when he speaks to the fake media, he'll be, what's the word? He'll be treated uh, with kid gloves, right? He'll be treated with people that have 
something to lose if they don't treat him well. Their incentives are not aligned like we are. Like I have no incentive to talk positively about Sam. I only have one incentive. That's to be objective and direct and transparent. That's my only incentive because that's the brand I'm trying to build. Uh, their incentive is a bit biased considering the, the, the funding they have. Yeah, the funding, we know the funding has come in the past from Elon and, and related parties. We also know that Elon has given huge amounts of money to the Democrats. And we also know that these, these, these media organizations are at the beck and call of... Uh, you mean, of you the, said Elon, you mean SBF? I mean, I mean SBF, sorry, I mean, I mean yeah. SBF. So we know that, that SBF has given these guys uh, uh, tons of cash. And so here they're going to treat him with kit gloves. But here on this forum, you're not going to treat him with kit gloves, are you? Look, I'm going to be at, as objective as possible, which, like, objectively speaking, I cannot be nice considering the amount of damage he's done. But I also know my co-host, Chet, is brutal. I don't know if you heard his interview two days ago. I heard him. I heard him interviewing the banks that FTX invested in. I felt sorry for the guy, man. Like, Me too. I was stressing. I was nervous. I'm telling I'm like, Chet, like, we have to be direct and harsh with, with Sam. But at the same time, we cannot be emotional. That's the whole point of it. Um, so my goal is, like, I question all my beliefs, whatever it is, no matter how obvious it is. If I believe cryptos, like, I'm all in on crypto, but I still question it uh, every few days. I'm like, what if I'm wrong? So it's a very important exercise to do. And I've questioned it with Sam. I'm like, what if the whole perception about Sam is wrong? Doesn't, nothing points in that direction, but I question it. So that's just an attempt to be as objective as possible. And I'll do that as well. But I will be asking the tough questions. Uh, I think Sam... Um, knows this. He's heard our show a few times. Um, and I'll be trying to get the... the Because there's no one covering Sam's side of the story either. It's important. Now, New York Times, I'm sure, will do a great job at covering his side of the story. So they'll probably do a bit of the work for us there. And they'll make it more uh, evenly based. And then we'll hear his side. And what I'll try to do is just create... Like, if you want to... A, 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 a witch hunt against Sam, that's not going to be me. But if you also want... A place where we're going to suck up to Sam and try to paint him in a good picture, that's definitely not going to be. In. My goal is to be as much as possible in the middle to try to get to the truth. How did you land up, how did you land up getting this interview with SBF? Just walk me through exactly what happened. It wasn't as difficult as you think. Like when he retweeted our tweets, um, we just DM'd him. I DM'd him personally. I'm like, hey, man, like, jump on the show. Now, I think there's a lot of other work that unintentionally led us to getting Sam. Seeing us get Hunter Biden, uh, Elon Musk, and CZ, and all these guys onto the show, he's like, all right, these guys um, know, like, know what the fuck they're sorry, sorry for cursing, bro. Know what they're doing. So that's number one. Number two is they saw us really cover the story as objectively as possible. Like, if you go through everything we've tweeted, including the thread today, I posted a really long thread, but a very detailed investigative thread. And all of it is very, very objective. And we're trying to get to the truth. And now you got you got BitBoy on the other hand. Um, he's he's out for blood. Uh, I haven't I didn't watch his spaces. I know he did his space as well. But I saw his, his tweets and stuff. He's out for blood, which is good because he's on one side. New York Times is on the other. I try to be in the middle. So that's what I wanted to clarify. This interview that he's doing has got nothing to do with BitBoy. This is a Mario roundtable spaces. Uh, interview and it's completely separate from the one that BitBoy is doing, right? Yeah, it's unrelated to BitBoy. We've been talking, I've been talking for a while with Sam, um, but I never disclosed it out of respect to him. I said, look, man, we'll talk privately. We won't disclose it until you're okay with us disclosing it. Um, so we talked with privately. 
um, nothing personal, just like, hey, when can you jump on the show, etc. And now we're going to talk about how to structure the show. Um, and then and then obviously we announced it uh, afterwards. Uh, but that's unrelated to BitBoy or the show he's doing to, with BitBoy, I think, in the next couple of weeks. So, But I think he seems to be going... He, Surprisingly, he's really going out, uh, you know, and speaking in the media. So it's, it'd be interesting well, to see what he has to say. I was about to ask you, why do you think that he agreed to an interview? Like that's I'm weird. Thinking about it from, I'm thinking about it from his point of view. Like, what's the upside in agreeing to be grilled on a on a Twitter Spaces? And especially, I mean, I'm sure that he's heard uh, uh, Chet. I'm sure that he's heard him before. He knows that he's going to get a real grilling. Um, why do you think he agreed? I don't know, man. It's it, I've given it some thought. Um, so a lot of people are assuming he likes the media attention. Now, this is all assumptions. We don't know. Very possible. Uh, very, very possible. But on the other hand, like he's been – maybe there is more to the story we don't know. And a lot of people are making those assumptions. I'm seeing the comments, a lot of conspiracy theories coming up. Maybe there's more to the story we don't know. And he's like, guys, like, if, like for a while, he's like, if only I have a chance to, to speak. If only I can actually say, no, you're wrong about this. No, I'll point you in the right direction. Because we saw, we saw Do Kwan hide for a long time and suddenly come, come out and, and do an interview. We saw Zhu Su, whatever, three hours capital. I keep forgetting his name. He wasn't hiding and then he retweeted my tweet. And then afterwards with the tweet where I said, you know, you know, I don't know if you remember the tweet. Actually, you're the one who told me he retweeted it. Um, so he retweeted my tweet and then came out of hiding. So I don't know what, like, and they're coming out and hiding, pointing the finger towards Sam. Um, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see why, you know, I'll ask him that question in the show. Why the hell are you doing this? Because he's not an idiot. So there must be a good reason. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk to you about this tweet that you had over here. So you, you wrote this tweet. You said, had insiders on the show started getting threats, had Elon Musk and Hunter Biden on the show started getting hate. Now I have SBF coming on our show. Mainstream media has a target on my back. Tell me more about... I what don't know what... Honestly, I, I, yeah, it's, it, man, I would I'd tell you privately. We probably should have talked about it privately because I don't know. I, like, yeah, it's, no one's asked me about it yet, or at least I didn't, I didn't check my Twitter yet. Um. I'm surprised. I'll tell you this. You're going to like this, Ryan. I'm a very objective person, and I don't mind going against the grain. Like, if you have an audience that loves to hate on mainstream media, doesn't mean I will as well. I don't love mainstream media. I don't hate them. I'm in the middle. I'm like, mainstream media is biased because they get funded, etc. They got advertisers. They're biased. Some more biased than others. You can't put Reuters and Fox or CNN and New York Times and BBC all in the same basket. But then you've got um, uh, social media is full of echo chambers. I did a tweet about this as well. Yes. Now, I don't hate mainstream media, but I'm also could be naive because I've never I never saw their dark side. I've never been on the receiving end of their dark side. A bit maybe with Hunter Biden when I was on the homepage with Fox with a whole story about me and Hunter and they kind of took it out of blew it out of proportion. But that was it. That was like the only time I've I've been on the slightly receiving end. But but you, you today say you, you say you're not on you say you're not you don't have anything against mainstream media, but you've also been watching the quality of their reporting in the last couple of days. Specifically, let's talk about around SBF because I think that's what you covered pretty well, and he didn't cover, and, and mainstream media didn't cover very well. Do you still have respect yes. for mainstream media? I, I don't, I, I'm not saying I have respect. I'm just saying um, I'm never binary. Like they're not bad, 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 but they're not good either. They're somewhere in the middle, and mainstream media is a big boss. It's like saying Americans are X. Or the Arabs yeah. are X. You can't put everyone in one basket. So that's one point. But if you go now on SBF, uh, if you go now FTX in the mainstream media and you put Google News, a lot of them are covering it really negatively. A lot of people are calling it a scam. 
So if you go through them, some of them are not though. That's where that's where that, that you can't put them all in one in one basket. But the reason I made this tweet is recently I'm starting to see behind the scenes and, and I won't mention any yet. And let's see where it goes. Um, the ugly side of mainstream media pointed towards me. As soon as the SBF interview was, was sorted. I don't know if it's related to Hunter Biden. Someone told me, Mario, because of what you you know what you did with Hunter Biden and you kind of you know the interview didn't go well. Um, some mainstream media has has a, has a target on your back, or whether we managed to get SBF before uh, before them uh, on the show and, and others as well. Like uh, Elon Musk talked about SBF for the first time publicly on our show as well. I don't know what it is, but there is things I'll tell you about privately where I'm starting to feel a bit more negative towards mainstream media because I'm starting to experience I... their ugly side. It's 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 so dirty what they're doing. And what I've been told they're doing right now is so dirty that I, I don't know if they'll go ahead with it, but uh, we'll see. I'll, let you, I'll tell you about it privately as well. We can maybe share it on your show next time. You know what we're going to do? So we're obviously big fans, and I'm, I've been on a lot of your spaces, and I think I'm going to be with you on the SBF thing. The first thing is we're going to try and broadcast with you. We said we're going to try and broadcast the spaces in such a way that we'll do it on the video community. The second thing is what we're going to do is we're going to compare your coverage to the same coverage that Andrew Ross Salkins has got. And, we'll, and I think that will be a real test for whether you should be getting your news from the mainstream media or whether you should be getting your news from the real media. And then we can determine what uh, the real media is. Mario, I have everybody here in the comments going, ask him about his shirt, ask him about his shirt, ask him about his shirt. And I take it it's because you're wearing a Balenciaga shirt and there's been so much bad. Oh, shit, shit, shit. I forgot about I didn't. I, I, guys, guys, I'm completely, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'll, I'll take it off. Hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll. I'll turn it around now so you can't see Balenciaga well, anymore. I mean, I mean, I, whoa, 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 hold on. If, you, if you're going to take off your shirt, uh, hold on. No, I won't take it off. Yeah. I'm flipping it. Don't worry. I know you get, they get, oh, you got, oh, like, the deal is, like, there you go. If anybody, if anybody wants to see shirts, uh, if anybody wants to see um, Mario without his shirt on, okay, I'm going to let you in a little secret, okay? Hold on. If you want to see Mario without his shirt on, if that's why you tuned in, uh, I want to show you something. Um, so what most people don't know about Mario is that he's actually a dancer. Right, um, and this is Mario. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute the volume because the problem is if I don't mute the volume, then I'm gonna get a copyright strike on YouTube, and I don't feel like getting a copyright strike on YouTube today. In fact, fuck it. For Mario, I'll do it. <laughs> what you guys didn't know is that Mario is like actually this 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 dancer. So I don't know. You can go and check it out on his own webpage. Uh, there's I think there's a lot more uh, where that came from, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know. So funny enough, I didn't know about the Balenciaga thing till uh, last night. And then today someone's telling me about it. One of the team members telling me about it. What's funny is that while they're telling me about it, I was wearing a different Balenciaga t-shirt, not this one. And then I changed to this one. Again, I'm so, man, I've got SBF coming on my show. I've got a lot of, DM, like the amount of shit happening behind the scenes is crazy. I'm not thinking about anything else. So I apologize, everyone. I'll take it off after don't this worry, and, and I'll, 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 burn, I'll, burn all my, I'll burn my Balenciaga t-shirts tomorrow. Listen, much love from us, much love from the community. Maybe they're not happy with your shirt, but I think our whole community is happy with what you're doing because I think what you've done in the last couple of days has showcased exactly where mainstream media is letting us down and where the truth is coming and where the truth actually, um, actually lives. And I think we'll be watching and we'll be streaming with you. We'll be streaming the Twitter spaces to get it to as many people as possible. And I think we're out there to prove something. And we're going to prove that... The mainstream, the real media is not the mainstream media, but the real media actually lives, it's our media, it's this, it's, it lives here, well, not even on YouTube, because you've got to be very careful about what you say on YouTube, 
it lives on Twitter spaces and, and specifically now that Elon's bought it. Bro, and, and I want to also give, first I want to say two things. Number one, my co-host is ex-intelligence, used to work for the nuclear program in the US, high-level guy, Chet. The guy's a beast. Um, so he's done investigative, he's done interrogations and everything. Um, so I'm lucky to have him that makes this uh, work. And, and like New York Times won't even be comparable to the shit that we're going to do. And the second thing is I want to give you a massive shout out, man. Like I've been watching your show since 2017. Um, your community, what you've done. I remember back in CNBC days, massive respect. Like I've had a lot of shows reach out. Hey, Mario, let's do this together. They're all on unread. Um, but with you, like anything I could do to support, considering that you were one of the first people I watched when I got into the space. So a lot of respect to you, man, and your community. Much love, brother. Looking forward to the first. Looking forward to big spaces. We'll chat to you soon, my friend. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it, man. I was hoping he wouldn't take off his shirt. But if you do want images of him without his shirt, and just go to his website. You can see it all there. Um, I mean, the guy, listen, he can dance. I can tell you that much. The guy can dance. Uh, you, you go, you watch it. Go, you go, you go watch it. Hey, listen, you know that we've been exposing the mainstream media on the show. Uh, we've taken a lot of risks to try and expose the mainstream media on the show. I think Mario Spaces is a big thing. And I think now, because of Elon, we have a platform to be able to really expose mainstream media and who's being paid by mainstream media, even if they're some of the biggest players in the world. And this is what I wanted to show you. So um, it looks like Elon is getting into a big spat with Apple. And in getting into this big spat with Apple, Elon is starting to expose a whole lot of, or how Apple were a big part of what is going on in the mainstream media. And so, you know, Jason Calacanis woke up, he said, what did I miss? He said, oh, fun morning. He said, a revolution against censorship in America. Sorry, for some reason, my mouse is, my screen has completely frozen. Okay, have I frozen? There we go. So he says, a revolution against censorship in America. And what you can see is that in the last couple of days, Apple and Google, but specifically Apple in this case, have threatened to remove Twitter from the App Store. Why? Because Twitter is letting people have freedom of speech and tell the truth. And Apple, well, maybe Apple doesn't want people to, to know the truth. And that is exactly what Elon is starting to dig up. So the first thing that you can see that happened is Apple threatened to withhold Twitter from the App Store, but won't tell Elon why. Now, just put yourself in Elon's shoes, okay? Put yourself in Elon's shoes. You've paid $44 billion for an app. I mean, the whole of the Twitter business is an app. And now your biggest distributor, which is actually Apple, has threatened to delist Twitter from the App Store. That could completely, completely, completely destroy you. If you dig a bit deeper, you can see that Elon yesterday, uh, yesterday started to, to oh God, my, my screen's freezing again. I have too many tabs open. Can you hear me? Let me, you know, let me close all these charts and then maybe we can, yeah, let me just close all these charts and hopefully that will stop all, all the freezing. Let's close all these tabs. We don't need them anymore. Um, yeah, let's close all of that. That should give us enough to, to, okay, so this is what I wanted to show you. So the first thing is um, Elon tweeted this, but then he deleted it. He said, should I pay the Apple store 30%? And I think he's referring to the $8 that he's charging for Twitter Blue because now Apple is going to get 30% of the $8 that, uh, that Elon is charging, charging for Twitter Blue. But the next thing that happened is actually something quite important. The head of Apple's App Store, Phil Schiller, deleted his Twitter account over the weekend. Okay, so now the plot thickens. Now you can kind of see that, hold on, maybe Apple are not so much the good guys. If you look 
at the if you look at Apple's donations, if you look at Apple's donations, 97.5% of Apple's donations are to the Democratic Party. And so now what you're starting to see is that, hold on, actually, Apple, I see that I'm freezing again, unfortunately. Um, is it fine? Okay, so I'm, I'm freezing on my, on my, 97.5% of Apple's donations are to the Democratic Party, which reminds us exactly of the SPF modus operandi. It's exactly the same as the, as the SPF modus operandi. Donate a whole lot of money to Democrats, get favorable treatment, but also help in terms of controlling the media and driving the message. And that's exactly what Elon is starting to point out. So you can see here, um, Elon is starting to ask different people how Apple were complicit in, um, in censoring the media. And we got this response from library.com. And what they said is Apple disallowed almost anything related to, to COVID, especially vaccines, human, uh, vaccines or human origins of the virus. We had to build at least over 20 terms to not show results for only on Apple devices. Apple also later rejected us because users included peppy images in, in the video. And so what you can see is that Elon is now starting to expose Apple for their role in deciding what you can and what you can't see. Because up until now, they've been censoring what you can and what you can't see. If an app displays something that they don't want, well, then it doesn't get onto the app store. If a, a, um, if, a, if an app or a news site displays something that you don't want, well, they're going to remove it from the app store. Elon Musk, now fighting for freedom of speech, he's doing all the right things. He's, he's taking all the banned accounts and he's unbanning all the accounts. He is, yeah, I'll show you. So he's all the unbanned accounts. The Twitter files on free speech suppression are soon going to be published. The, the accounts that were banned on Twitter are, are soon, are, 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 he started, he's starting to reinstate 62,000 accounts. Apple doesn't like this. And the first thing they did was they stopped advertising on Twitter. And they were one of Apple's, uh, one of Twitter's biggest advertisers. And now they stopped advertising on Twitter. And the next thing is, according to Elon, is that they're starting to threaten him around removing the Twitter app from the App Store. And so now you're starting to see this picture of exactly what Apple is about. They, by having an Apple phone, I have an Apple phone, I'm guilty of it. And by, by allowing them, by allowing them to decide what apps you can see and what apps you can't see, they are effectively controlling what you can and can't see. And effectively, they are against freedom of speech. That's pretty much how, how I'd sum it up. And so Elon's gone to war with these guys. Elon's gone to absolute war with these guys to the point where I showed you, he, he did that tweet yesterday. And then, I mean, I guess someone must have said to him, listen, you can't take on Twitter. And he went and deleted uh, this tweet. But now Elon is a man on a mission. He's on a man who wants, he's on a mission to bring us uh, uh, free speech. And now he's probing everyone. So you can see what he, he asks uh, library.com, what terms did they breach? They gave him the whole, uh, what terms they breached. And Elon's now starting to ask, hey, has anybody else been Apple censored? Let's expose. And what he's calling on Apple to do is he's calling on Apple to, I just want to see where he, he did a poll. I don't know if I've got that poll. Yeah, he says, Apple should publish all censorship actions that it has taken to, that affect its customers. And I think that's true. If they're going to censor you in any way, if they're going to censor you in any way, well, then they must be honest about it. They must say, look, we're censoring this. Um, and at least then you know what you're playing. But Apple hasn't done that up until now. And that's what Elon is starting to expose. All right, there were a couple of things I want, a couple of other things I wanted to show you. Um, let's do this very quickly because I see my screen is freezing again. First thing is, 
in a decentralized environment, the one thing that I'm starting to worry about is that Binance, because of all their strength, and again, I love Binance and I love CZ, and I think that they're the good operators in the space, but 75% of all November crypto spot volume was actually done on Binance. So you now have one player, and this is not in one country, it's one player worldwide who has a 75% market share in spot trading volume, which is huge. And probably not healthy, probably not the healthiest thing in the world. So we need to keep our eyes on it. We need to aim much more for supporting decentralized players. The other thing is that there have been a couple of transactions in the last couple of days. And one of the transactions was, um, was Binance moving $2 billion worth of crypto from one wallet to another. And when CZ was questioned about this, he said, look, it's part of a proof of reserve audit. The auditor requires us to send a specific amount to ourselves to show we control the wallet and the rest goes to a change address, which is a new address. In this case, the input TX is big and so, and so the change is big. So that's what he's saying. And I think I believe it because on the one hand, there are some skeptics that say, hold on a second. Well, you know, why do you need to move $2 billion? Move $1,000. That shows the auditor that you've got control over the wallet. But on the other hand, sometimes the auditor wants to see that all the funds are unencumbered. In other words, you don't owe the funds to anybody. They're not encumbered. They're not owned by the smart contract or something like that. And in that case, the auditor may say, look, if you really are in control of this $2 billion, then move the $2 billion from point A to point B. So there is merit in that. And so I'm not really, really, really falling for the fat. Um, all right. There's one other thing that I want to talk to you guys about. Someone says, change your VPN. I'm actually not on a VPN today. You're right. I'm, I should, I should uh, change my VPN, but I'm not on a VPN today. Um, there's a big thing happening. We are out of time, but I do want to spend some time on this, this big crypto development. This crypto development is around a token which was listed on Huobi. And this token is uh, the DMC token by Tron. Now, what is this DMC token? It's a super, super, super interesting concept. It says, in our latest effort to advance global development and metaverse, Huobi has partnered with the Tron Network and DMC Labs to jointly launch the world's DMC token, which is Dominica, Dominica coin. Now, this Dominica coin is a coin that represents a country in the real world and in the metaverse and obviously through the metaverse in Web3. Now, these DMC coins um, can be used for a whole host of different reasons. DMC is required when users sign up. DMC is required to renew users' uh, Dominica DIDs, but they can be used as a form of verification. They can be used to open financial bank accounts. They can be used to apply for loans. They can be used to register companies. So that it looks like the Dominican Republic or the Commonwealth of Dominica here, what they are doing is they're actually adopting crypto for much more than payments, but for actual citizenship. So if you own X amount of these coins, you actually get real life, almost citizenship. You get citizenship in the metaverse. So it's a super huge, um, it's, it's Dom, Dom, Dominica. That's a Dominica. It's the Commonwealth of Dominica. People are saying I'm pronouncing it the wrong way around. Um, but it's a super interesting experiment because it's the first time that I've seen anything like that. And we saw an announcement by Justin Sun who said, uh, Huobi Global partnered with Trondau and DMC Labs to jointly launch the world's first national token Dominica coin. So it's for KYC, it's for taking loans, opening bank accounts. I think it could be huge. Uh, and I think it's a huge step. And I think it's a, a good proof of concept in a small country. And that's why I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, what else? Oh, should I take a bet? Should I take? Remember, we've got a new sponsor. It is Sportsbet. Uh, Sportsbet.io. You can bet on the World Cup using crypto. This is, as I said, it was a sponsor that I asked to be a sponsor in the show, not a sponsor that reached out to us because I was betting. 
And I was betting using credit cards and I didn't want to bet using credit cards anymore. So I just connected my MetaMask and here I am. I put 500 bucks in the account. The only game that I would bet on today would be this Netherlands game. I think I've missed it. I don't think I can bet you anymore. Can I bet you? Let's see. Uh, yes, I can. I'm going to put 100 bucks on Netherlands winning. And my, oh, I mean, if my, my potential win is 118 bucks, it's like not even, a, it's not even a win. Yeah. Because Netherlands will definitely beat Qatar. So I'm definitely taking that bet. Done. That Taking that bet over there. Um, Wales and England. I mean, Wales, I mean, England, Wales and England. Yeah, but 1.47, Carl, you get. Okay, let's, let's take, let's take it. Let's take a, let's take a, an England win. Should we take an England win there? Let's put 50 bucks on England winning. So now we want Netherlands to win and we want England to win. Now, remember, you can bet on a whole lot of things. You can actually combine your bet with who's going to score the first goal. You can, you, can, you can literally, these guys have got a whole lot of different bets. I'm not telling anyone to go and gamble, but if you are betting like I am betting on the World Cup anyway, someone says bet on the US versus Iran. I mean, it's pretty obvious the US is going to win. Right? Not right? I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious the US is going to win. And I see it's pretty obvious also that my screen's frozen. So what do I do? Let's let's actually look at the odds on um oh hold on. US, you can okay. Let me I'm gonna put some money on the US as well. And I put 50 bucks on the US winning. I done it right this time because yesterday I did it the wrong way around, and that wasn't so good for us. Should I bet on England and the US winning? Yeah, I'm gonna bet on both. I'm gonna bet on both. Okay, so now I've got to bet on both. Okay, amazing. So there are new sponsors, sports bet. If you do want to, Iran's not going to win, guys. Come on. Um, if you do want to, if you do want to join, there's a referral link below. Sign up with our referral link, and uh, we're going to be doing giveaways and stuff like that. In the meantime, otherwise, you can just use your crypto to bet. Someone says Iran will win easy. Did I make a mistake? Iran will win easy. Did I make a mistake? I may have made a mistake. I may have put the money on. Yesterday, I made a mistake, but lucky that the site allows you to, to back down. Uh, also, remember that our Bybit trading competition is ending soon. It ends at the end of November, which is in a couple of days. Um, let's just look at where we're at and who's who's where. Um, James, is that video uploaded? Okay. Let me show you something as well. So, um, yesterday, Sheldino Tentino did his sniper school. It was absolutely, absolutely amazing. I want to leave you guys just to show you how much fun it actually was. And on the weekend, on Saturday, we're going to be dropping a video with a link. If you want to sign up, you'll be able to sign up. So I'm going to leave you with that. Take a look at this. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, this is the best community in the crypto industry. I need to learn how to short, though. Every time I short, okay. I lose. And every time I long, I can do, I can, you know? So I'm okay. so excited to be here. All right, then you're going to love this time. lesson. You're going to love this lesson then that I'm going to teach you tonight. You're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same if, you, if you're working part-time or you're working full-time and you can only do one trade a week. You don't want to see data for the next year. You want to see what trade can I make in the next week. And that's where the power of these different timeframes have. I'm about to save you years of work right now by understanding this because we're about to build a structure together. Uh, on the top side, above the 90% is your get out signal. The first cross... Doesn't matter if it sits there for a while. The first cross at the bottom to the upside is the buy signal, okay? So you can see sometimes it'll get me out here, even though price went up a little bit more. 
It doesn't matter. It's showing me the actual time frame. It's showing me that over the last 40 days, I would have been offered eight trades on this time frame. Roughly every five days, a trade would have been available. If you have a million dollars, what do you do? What type of trader are you? What, what well, are you doing if after I had that? a million dollars, I will pay the hospital bills that I still owe for five years now. And okay. then I will take my family for vacations. And then okay. I will continue studying about trading. I will not feel comfortable just by winning $1 million on one day. Like, yes. we need to yes. continue studying. That's okay. what I would So what I would do is I would have the million dollars as my bank. I'll then create two businesses, one that's specifically for your medicals. I'll make a second one that's specifically for your holidays. And I'd have those two accounts running to pay this off. So that's million dollars still stays in your account. The goal is to never take from your gold ever. Yeah. That's your business. That is something that you can all, always grow on and always restart with. So you never take from it. I'll teach you the skill of how you generate a wallet or a, 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 a uh, uh, exchange account or anything like that that is specifically for those hospital bills. So you can see Sheldon was in his in his absolute happy place. And again, we're going to be running another cohort in January. This was just a test cohort. We had about two thousand people, all uh, FTX survivors. Uh, we on Saturday we're going to be dropping a video. In that video is going to be a link to sign up for the next Sniper School, which starts in January. Uh, we're going to do two cohorts in January. There's only going to be five thousand people that we allow in for January. Um, you can see people who were there said it was an app. It was, it was mind-blowing. It was absolutely mind-blowing. 1,200 people attended yesterday's session. It was absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. All right, listen, I'll see you guys again. Oh, we may be hosting a Twitter Spaces. So just uh, go watch my Twitter, and we may be hosting a Twitter Spaces uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, so if you want to join us, join us there. See you guys again tomorrow. Until then, have fun, trade well. your blood like drains out of your f i felt bad in the beginning